Good morning. I'm Joanna Roach with the Mariah Mitchell Association, and welcome to the Nature of Nantucket, our podcast. And we are here with Emily Molden of the Nantucket Land Council. Good morning, Emily. Good morning, Joanna. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to talk to you. Um, let's start a little bit about your own sort of journey to Nantucket. How, how did you get here? Well, I actually had been to Nantucket once before my original venture out here for work, and that was to visit a friend I had met while I was in college. But after that, I went to the University of Vermont where I studied biology. And in the years following that, I did some field work in biological sciences for a little while, and I was looking for something a little different. I'd spent a lot of time working in mountain environments and habitats in Vermont and Colorado. So I literally went to a website called ecojobs.com looking for some other opportunities. And I found a posting for a shorebird monitor and educator with the Tuckernuck Land Trust out on Tuckernuck Island. So I applied and ended up spending my summer, basically Memorial Day through Labor Day, out on Tuckernuck Island in 2003 and 2004, where I worked for the Tuckernuck Land Trust. While I was on Tuckernuck, I ended up meeting Cormac Collier, who at the time was the ecologist for the Land Council, but he was preparing to take over as executive director and looking to hire someone to fill his position. And while I had a lot of wild ideas about moving overseas, going back to school, somehow I was convinced to apply for the ecologist job with the Nantucket Land Council. And that was back in 2004. And I've been here ever since. Oh, wow. So what's your favorite thing about living and being on Nantucket? I think my favorite thing about Nantucket is it's raw beauty and also just the dynamic nature of existing out here. I think that there's so much constant change with the seasons, with the seasonality of the tourist industry. And I think I really enjoy that transition from season to season. I actually enjoy the isolated nature of the island, although I do quite a bit of traveling myself, and the community. I think it has everything that you could ever want in a small community in a place that has a lot of more urban features and attractions. I concur <laughs> with all those things. Um, and I also know that you're sort of an avid cyclist. Mm, yes. And that's actually something that I was interested in and did a little bit of before I moved to Nantucket, but I really didn't get started as a cyclist until I lived out here, which is always kind of a funny notion because there's only so much space to ride a bike on Nantucket. But yes, that's pretty much what I do with most of my free time. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the Land Council and how it serves the island. Sure. So um, absolutely one of the things that attracts me and keeps me on Nantucket is the uh, environment and the island's natural beauty. I think that the Land Council has played an important role in that and in its history, and hopefully will continue to do so for the future, and really serves a, a special niche amongst all of the conservation organizations in that we work to provide a voice for the island's natural resources and be an environmental advocate 
The land council was started in the 70s, back at a time when there were still a lot of sheep commons, large areas of land that had really unclear title. And there was a lot of growing pressure to develop those open spaces. Uh, so the land council was formed and did a lot of work back in those days in land court, trying to protect those parcels from development. And when they were protected, then would transfer them to an organization like the Conservation Foundation and later the Land Bank to own and manage them into the future. I think that as we've moved forward and a lot of the land is spoken for, the Land Council has expanded on one of its other real concerns and interests, which is the uh, health and quality of our water resources. We have more of a history looking at the island's groundwater and watersheds, and in the last 10 years or so have really focused more on the health of the ponds and the harbors. And we really do a lot of work to try to advocate for the best possible policies around those resources and also a lot of education and research to support that policy work. So what do you think some of the key issues uh, facing Nantucket are? I think it's really a matter of continuing to to try to find a a balance between the island's needs and um, sustenance as a tourist destination and community and being able to continue to take advantage of that to um, feed our our businesses and our industries. And then at the same time, protecting, protecting those elements of the island that are attracting the tourists here to begin with. I think Nantucket can be seen as one of those gem communities that is sort of at risk of um, ultimately kind of being a little bit too um, popular and beautiful for its own good. And I think that the biggest issue is really the challenge of being able to balance the um, local community needs as far as what we all need to actually live out here and um, still maintain the health of the island from a natural and environmental perspective. And I think that the sort of range of issues that you get involved with are wide and variable. Um, And I know that we've been recently talking about one of these issues quite a bit, which is water quality in the harbor. Why don't we share a little bit of background about how and why this became an issue? Sure. I mean, I, I think that really all communities around the Northeast and New England and um, in other places as well have started to see um, the impacts of a number of variables on the health of their coastal water resources. In our case, if we think about Nantucket Harbor, which is really an estuary um, that has pretty poor circulation, the development in a number of ways and the way that we use our land ultimately has a big impact on the water as a watershed exists, everything that's done within that geographic area of the watershed ultimately will impact the groundwater and whatever water body is down gradient. So in the case of Nantucket Harbor, as the island popularity and population has grown and development has grown, then those land use impacts, including things like wastewater from septic systems, um, fertilizer use and landscaping practices, certainly more in the downtown area, stormwater management has become an increasing issue. And I think that a lot of communities have just started to find that while um, nutrient 
pollution can be dealt with in an ecosystem to a certain extent. A lot of us are sort of reaching that point where the bucket's kind of overflowing and um, there's, there's just a little bit too much for the system to survive in a healthy way. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but water quality is a big one. So we've really, I think as a community, all realized that we have to do our part however we can to try to improve those conditions. But it really comes from just the increased intensity of use over time. And then other factors such as warming waters, uh, warming temperatures, which will exacerbate something like an algal bloom, for example. Yeah, so let's talk just a little bit more about that. In the years that you've been here, you must have seen the climate change quite a bit. Yeah, so it's interesting. We actually right now are um, working with the town to try to pull together a lot of historic temperature data for the harbor to really take a closer look at how the water temperature in and of itself has changed and warmed over the last several decades, which I think will be very telling because we know right now that the temperature is just getting to the point where it's going to start to affect the eelgrass in addition to the um, the water quality issues. And so that's definitely something that we've been seeing some changes. I think also the increased incidence and severity of algal blooms in some of our other freshwater bodies is another area where we've seen it. Um, also, as far as climate change, I feel like I've started to see a change in the pattern of our rainstorms, rain events in the summer and throughout the season, the amount of flooding downtown. Um, certainly, I would agree with you. I think even over the last 15 to 20 years, I, I feel like things have changed and started to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that one of the things that people have I been more sensitive to than others is the condition of the scallop, right? especially with the, in recent years, the algae blooms, not just uh, in the in the fresher brackish water, but also in the harbor. Can you talk a little bit about that relationship? Sure. I think the scallop population has obviously fluctuated quite a bit over time. And Nantucket is extremely lucky and fortunate to have our shellfish hatchery, which has a great staff that work full time to help to supplement our scallop population and monitor the condition of the population um, works closely with the fishermen to get as much information as possible to try to improve conditions out there. But we all know that scallops need a place to live too, and that comes back to the health of our eelgrass population. Um, and a lot of the issues that we see with eelgrass are related, again, to nutrients in the water and temperature, but those go hand in hand with what you just said, which is the um, algae population that's out there. There's a lot of different forms and varieties of algae. One that we're seeing a lot more of in the harbor over the last several years is a a species of macroalgae that really tends to clump up and settle down on the bottom and almost forms a little bit of a carpet over the eelgrass. And that's really problematic because the eelgrass is a flowering plant that is rooted down in the sediment and photosynthesizes and needs the sunlight, just like any other plant in your garden or yard. So when you have something that's covering that up and blocking the sunlight and taking all of the sunlight and also taking up a lot of the available nutrients, uh, then the eelgrass is going to suffer. The, a lot of the algae species are free floating and they kind of move around and the eelgrass is pretty stuck and rooted right where it is. So seeing the health of the eelgrass decline, not just in the extent that it exists, but also 
the length of the leaves, the width of the leaves, the density, it's just quite clear that it's not nearly as healthy of a population as it once was. And that's really critical to supporting the scallops because they need a place to rest up above the sediment. They attach themselves to the eelgrass blades and that protects them from predators for the first part of their life. So I think there really is a direct link to the increased incidence of the algae that we're seeing in the harbor and the decline of the scallop population. Yes. Um, you know, do you think that people are paying more or more attention to this because of Nantucket's connection to scalloping and its heritage? Yes, I definitely think that having an industry and a species like the bay scallop that has meant so much to Nantucket's history and is uh, really such a, a keystone species, if you will, a flagship species that everybody knows about, everybody loves. Um, it's obviously a very popular menu item on Nantucket and beyond and something that um, kind of really helps people to tune into when there's something that you know about and understand and care about and you see a problem or a decline in its health and existence, then it definitely amplifies whatever the issue is that's causing it. So it's been a way for, I think, the island organizations and, and town to communicate with the community about this issue is to, to focus on the base scallop population. Do you think that there is potentially misinformation out there around scallop habitat and eelgrass and algae bloom and and what what contributes to that? I think it's um, a complicated topic. I mean when it's an issue that you deal with on a regular basis and you're sort of used to thinking about and talking about the science behind um, nutrient inputs and the eutrophication of a water body and you're familiar with the species that are making up an ecosystem, then you kind of have a, a basic foundation and an understanding. I think it's there's a lot of different elements and components to this issue and this problem. There are a lot of different variables that contribute to it. So I think it is really hard to sort of keep those straight and understand the different roles that they play. And also that there are a number of factors that are not in our control. And we can acknowledge that and still continue to work on the issues or the, the parts of the problem that we do have some control over. So I'm sure there's um, some misunderstandings out there. And I think that it's important to just try to do as best a job we can as at educating the community on all of the all the facts and all the concerns. And how do you think that this affects, you know, the commercial fishermen and, and the way that, you know, they, you know, the heritage and the way that they earn their money. I know I read this year that the commercial scallop hall was much lower than it's ever been. And is this, is there a direct correlation between the condition of the Harbor and the algae and what's happening with that? I'm sure that there that there is and there must be and certainly I'm not I'm not a commercial fisherman so I can't really speak for them but um, my impression and my understanding is that over the last decade or so that more and more of the commercial fleet have either been dropping off or not spending as much time in the water because it's just not as lucrative a business as it used to be it takes more time to get your catch and maybe the season doesn't always last for as long as it did. So 
in a lot of instances and circumstances, I think there's probably more work to be had on a consistent, reliable basis in the trades or in a different industry. So I think we've probably seen a lot of people start to shift from what they're doing and probably a lot less uh, new and upcoming commercial scallopers than there would have been, say, 30 years ago. Um, and I, I think that that's um, definitely reflective of the health of the harbor and the scallop population and, and their availability. And uh, it's definitely a shame. I think it's a big piece of Nantucket's culture and heritage and something that we should really try to preserve. Yes, I agree. Well, you are probably one of the most knowledgeable people, knowledgeable people I know um, in terms of being able to succinctly discuss the status of all of this in a way that can be easily understood because I do think it can be overwhelming and complicated for people to really grasp what the risks are, what the impact is, and what, if anything, we can do about it, right? And I think that that would probably be my sort of last question on this topic is what are what can we do about this, right? How can people become involved and how can they support, um, you know, both of our organizations as we move forward with this and also the Shellfish Association, which I think is so important. Yeah, thanks for that, Joanna. I, I think that there's, there's a lot that we can all continue to do and certainly doing our best to educate ourselves or take advantage of the organizations and individuals who are out there that we can learn from is a, a big step. I mean, for example, talking about some um, misunderstandings earlier, there there are some um, really positive things that are happening as well. I think the the town and uh, the local island community have really taken some steps to address some nutrient sources. There's been a lot more um, sewering that's taken place in the harbor watershed. There have been some septic system upgrades that the Board of Health have required. We have a great set of fertilizer regulations locally, and uh, we're all sort of working on the best way to potentially improve those and improve the fertilizer program going forward. Um, I think despite all of that and seeing the um, nutrient levels in the harbor improve in many locations, we, we are still seeing a lot of that ecosystem decline. As far as what everyone can do, I think that understanding um, that everything we do on our properties has the potential to affect groundwater, which then will impact our ponds and harbors, is a really good thing to keep in mind. I mean, there's certainly um, some great steps you can take if you have a septic system and if you are doing any landscaping in your yard. And I know that the Nantucket Land Council has information on our website, the town of Nantucket does. Um, our other some other organizations do as far as steps you can take to reduce nutrient pollution. And then I think it really is for our organizations, the work that Mariah Mitchell is doing with educating the community as well on these issues is just a huge piece of it and empowering everyone to to know that um, supporting policies that help to address these nutrient inputs and um, the scallop population and eelgrass and uh, the or our organizations that are working with the town on restoration projects to try to assist with reestablishing eelgrass in different parts of the harbor and the shellfish hatchery that's continuing to produce scallops to supplement the population. There's a lot of positive work going on and um, particularly, I think, with the Land Council and Mariah Mitchell Association, the education that we're doing 
just encouraging people to take advantage of all those opportunities and learn as much as they can um, to help us continue with our, our efforts. I agree. And uh, thank you very much for joining us today. I am Joanna Roach from the Mariah Mitchell Association. Our show is called The Nature of Nantucket, and we have been very um, lucky to have Emily Molden here from the Nantucket Land Council. Thank you for sharing all of that great information, Emily. Thanks so much, Joanna. That was great talking to you.